Welcome to episode 103 of the TruthQuest podcast, the truth about political blasphemy and heresy. Before we get started, I want to ask you to do me a favor and share the show. If you're on social media and topics such as the outrage culture, Abraham Lincoln, socialism in America, lessons learned from the coronavirus crisis, or price gouging comes up, please share the topic-specific TruthQuest episode with your debate partner. Episodes are available on iTunes, Google Play Music, Stitcher, Spotify, and Podbean.com. It's also available on ThinkSpot. The video versions of the podcast are available on BitChute and Brighteon.com. If you are listening to this on the Apple Podcast app, please take a moment and scroll down on the podcast page and give it a five-star rating. Another way you can help grow the show is to throw a small donation my way at the TruthQuest podcast patronage page. All donations will be used to drive awareness of the podcast through Facebook and Twitter advertising. See this episode's show notes page at truthquest.podbean.com for details. And finally, please join the conversation on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash truthquestpodcast. This episode is a result of a combination of events. Number one, the previous episode, The Truth About the Outrage Culture. And number two, given what is going on in this country right now, I mean, we're in the middle of an election year with Donald Trump seeking a second term. We have protests, rioting, looting, and burning going on all over the country, supposedly because of the death of George Floyd at the hands of a Minneapolis police officer. And every major corporation, celebrity, and woke warrior is pledging their allegiance to little G-God of virtue signaling. After all, nothing says problem solved like a hashtag campaign. Unbelievably, we have witnessed multiple scenes of people actually kneeling before other people and asking forgiveness for the sins of someone, presumably their ancestors. These same people then repeat slogans fed to them by Black Lives Matter activists as if they are participating in some kind of fraternity initiation or cult ritual. Then we have the propagation of the slogan like, Silence is violence. You know, because America is systematically racist although that term is never really defined by anyone. Oh, and if you disagree with any of this narrative or keep your opinion to yourself, you are considered a racist or told that you suffer from white privilege. Yet another largely undefined term, most often used by the woke warriors to shame people with whom they disagree and or to be used as a tool to deflect answering direct questions about their cause and tactics. Check out episode 69, The Truth About White Privilege, if you're interested in that. However, if you are woke, like the white Democratic mayor of Minneapolis, who allowed a police precinct to be burned down as a sacrifice to the rioters, when he proclaimed that he was not in favor of defunding the police because presumably he likes his job and knows that the radical socialist extremists that are trying to burn his city to the ground are not likely to be the people who go to the polls in November. What did he get for his effort? A big F you from the crowd. See, what these naive progressives of both political parties don't understand is it's never enough. The woke warriors are out for your head on a spike. Just because you play nice-nice with them one day, if you don't repeat their talking points word for word, off with your head. Anyway, the point of all this is to say, as I witnessed this over the last couple of weeks, the words blasphemy and heresy kept flashing in my head. If you don't agree with these people, you are a blasphemer. You are heretic. Thus the title of the episode, The Truth About Political Blasphemy and Heresy. So these are terms that are exclusively used for the most part in religious contexts. You know, if you commit the sin of blasphemy against God, you might get stoned to death. 
The heretic gets run out of town or is rejected by his church because of his unwillingness to accept the religious norms. So let's look at the definitions here. So we are starting from the same point. The definition of blasphemy. The act of insulting or showing contempt or lack of reverence for capital G God or something that you say or do that shows you do not respect capital G God or a religion. What about a heretic? Well, that's one who holds and persistently maintains an opinion or a doctrine at variance with the accepted standards, or one who rejects a generally accepted belief. So, what is political blasphemy and heresy? So, what is political blasphemy? Well, I define it as the act of insulting or showing contempt or lack of reverence for any little g god, as defined by the woke warriors and professional virtue signalers. Or, Something that you say or do that shows you, you do not respect the little g-gods, as defined by the woke warriors and professional virtue signalers. You know, causes, movements, crusades, struggles, or protests. See, for these folks, they cannot afford to let big g-god into the picture because doing so makes them murderers, or at least supporters of murder, given that they worship at the altar of abortion on demand. You can't have God in the picture and justify spewing hate towards fellow human beings, period, because God directs us to treat each other as we would want to be treated. The Bible teaches us that we are all made in God's image and worthy of respect. Now, we are being told that we must apologize, repent, and kneel at the altar of the fill-in-the-blank progressive agenda item. Then we must not be silent and don't forget to cut a check to one of those worthy causes that then get siphoned off to the Democratic Party. To prove my point about the removal of Big G God from the picture, let's look at some of the Ten Commandments through the eyes of the leftist progressive agenda. So right off the top, the first two commandments, we get to the heart of the issue when it comes to political blasphemy and heresy. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an image in the form of anything in heaven above or on the earth beneath or in the waters below. You shall not bow down to them and worship them. See, the left has spent decades chasing Big G God out of politics in the public square and replacing him with a host of little G gods like wokeness, or a political party, or a politician, or a cause, or a medical procedure, or the environment, or themselves, and seeking fun and pleasure. How about honor your mother and father so that you may live long in the land the Lord God has given you? Well, the left doesn't believe fathers are even necessary in the equation, so abiding by this commandment is not even in the discussion. And if you make the mistake of pointing out facts like children who grow up without a father are more likely to get involved with drugs, drop out of school, and end up in prison, by God, you are to be called a blasphemer. You are a heretic. How dare you point out the obvious? How dare you say something that might derail the agenda? You shall not murder. Well, my canned response to this is, well, of course, abortion. Hello? You are taking the life of an innocent human being that has done nothing to harm you. When you look at the definition of murder, it's the killing of another person without justification or excuse. Wow. You know, it just clicked with me why the pro-abortion crowd is always talking about the rights of the mother when it comes to pregnancy, while purposely avoiding the question, what about the baby? It is to offer a justification or excuse for the killing of the baby in the womb. Therefore, they cannot be called a murderer. Do you see the illogic here? It's, they justify it. It's an ex, it's excuse for a variety of empty reasons like reproductive rights and women's health. What about you shall not commit adultery? 
Well, since the left does not believe in traditional marriage, and they push abortion as if it's just another birth control option, what could possibly be wrong with adultery? You will have to note that when the left does criticize adultery, they never criticize one of their little g-gods like Bill Clinton. But they will go after any Republican who strays from his marital vows. So I don't think it's a principled position. What about you shall not steal? Stealing means taking the property of another without right or permission. Well, shit, the entire leftist agenda is based on theft. Think about it. What kind of nonsense do they spew constantly? Back in the day before the Federal Reserve unapologetically started printing money endlessly, they were the party of higher taxes. They did so in order to build up their welfare state. They did so to build up their welfare state. Take from the so-called rich and give to the so-called poor while never making any effort to pick up the so-called poor and assist them out of poverty. Rather, keep them in a perpetual cycle of poverty so they will continue to vote for Democrats who will continue to promise more and more goodies taken from other people and threaten you with the dastardly Republicans who are going to take away all those goodies. In a more concrete example of stealing, in light of the rioting and looting that we are currently experiencing, the left makes excuses for the looters who destroy other people's property and take whatever they want. What about you shall not give false testimony against your neighbor? Lying, propaganda, half-truths, misinformation, and misdirection, they're all a way of life for the left. I mean, all politicians lie and bend the truth, but only those on the left do it with impunity. Because they know the corporate press is not likely to call them out on it. In the previous episode, I pointed out dozens of lies over the last three decades. Check out episode 102 for that, the truth about the outrage culture. Well, what about you shall not covet your neighbor's house? You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his male or female servant, his ox or donkey or anything that belongs to your neighbor. Need I point out the progressive's entire agenda and modus operandi is coveting what other people have? They tell their constituents that they deserve what other people have worked hard to achieve. They encourage their constituents to covet what others have. Their entire agenda is based on jealousy, envy, and coveting. And they employ character assassination, mocking, and ridicule in order to spread that message. If you are outed as a political blasphemer or a heretic, you are subject to cancel culture. Nothing proves that point more clearly than when conservative speakers attempt to go to college campuses. They must not be allowed to speak. Well, why not? Because they're going to spew their hateful racist message. Okay, well, let them talk and then point out their hate and racism and discredit them. No, we can't allow them to speak at all. It might trigger some people. It might offend someone. Well, can't these people make a decision on their own and simply decide not to sit in the auditorium while the speaker speaks? No! Well, why not? Just because, you asshole, I don't have to give you an answer. No, of course not. They never have to address the issue head-on and make a point-by-point -point argument because the corporate press will allow them to skate. These claims of political blasphemy and heresy are simply tactics to shut down debate. Those who employ the tactic cannot hold an intellectually honest conversation with others. They are unwilling and or unable to defend their position, so they revert to name-calling as an offensive tactic that is meant to put their foe on the defense. This is a left-wing-only phenomenon. Why don't you ever see the right-wing employing this tactic? Well, Rush Limbaugh has said for years, the reason you don't see conservatives protesting in the streets, boycotting sponsors, canceling people on social media, and calling for people to be fired for voicing an opinion 
is because they have a life, a job, a family. They don't have time for such unconsequential nonsense. While that might make some of you smile, some of you mad, there is a ring of truth to it. The reason I believe this is a left-wing-only phenomenon is because conservatives and libertarians do not have to behave this way. See, people who are so-called conservatives are interested in conserving or preserving what is good about society. Marriage, life, free markets, liberty, freedom, free speech, the Constitution. They believe in preserving natural rights, gun rights, property rights, and economic rights. The majority of people are already on board with this agenda. Conservatives and libertarians do not believe we have a right to go around life unoffended. They don't believe in forced conformity. Liberals, on the other hand, by nature are agents of change. As you can see from their agenda, change is not always good. So in order to force the majority to accept their changes, they employ this shaming tactic. Think about some of the most influential societal swings in the last 150 to 200 years. Did the abolitionists go around calling proponents of slavery racists and monsters? Did Martin Luther King Jr. call America a terrible place and constantly harp on white supremacy and talk about how systematic racism has a boot on the neck of African Americans? The answer to both questions is no. Well, why not? Because their causes were just and right and moral. When your cause is just and right and moral, the majority will come your way over time. Is gay marriage, climate change, abortion, perpetual welfare, reparations just and right and moral? How do you push a radical agenda with only minority support? By pointing your finger at those who disagree with you, assassinate their character, ridicule them, and mock them. Blasphemers and heretics must be canceled, and Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube are all too willing to make sure that these people pay for their sins. So let's get into the meat and potatoes of this issue. In episode 50, The Truth About Party Over Principle, I argue that the left's employment of name-calling is designed to suppress debate and delegitimize their philosophical opponents. So think about it. More money for education. So if you're opposed to throwing more good money after bad, you are opposed to educating children, you are a teacher-hater. Think about more money for Medicare and Medicaid. If you are opposed to these wasteful, fraud-ridden programs, you oppose health care for the poor and the elderly. If you think privatizing Social Security is a good idea, or allowing younger folks to opt out, you hate old people. But the left is way more sophisticated in their verbal attacks. Here's a laundry list of progressives' minefield of blasphemy and heretical behavior. If you don't believe in man-made global warming, climate change hysteria, you're called stupid, ridiculous, a denier, a dissenter. The science is settled. If you're opposed to gay marriage, you're homophobic. Opposed to affirmative action, you are a bigot and a racist. Speaking of racism, if you do not vocally and financially support Black Lives Matter, you are a racist and quite possibly a white supremacist. The claims of racism continue. If you don't think the Confederate flag is a symbol of slavery, rather than a symbol of rebellion against an oppressive federal government that went to war against its own people, killing over 300,000 of them, burning dozens of towns to the ground, and leaving the economy in ruins for decades, you are a racist and quite possibly a white supremacist. If you do not agree that Confederate monuments should be taken down, you are a racist and quite possibly a white supremacist. If you make a distinction between peaceful protesters and rioters, looters, arsonists, and murderers, you should lose your job. If you do not agree with the renaming of military bases currently bearing the names of Confederate generals, you are a racist and quite possibly a white supremacist. 
If you don't want to wear the ribbon proclaiming your wokeness towards racial injustice, say it with me. You are a racist. And if you do not believe in wiping Christopher Columbus from the history books, you are a racist. These people see racism around every corner. Meanwhile, the majority of the nation looks around and sees nothing like what is portrayed by the corporate press and the National Democrats. I know, I know, I repeat myself. If you're opposed to socialized medicine, Obamacare, Medicare for all, you are an evil monger, or you want to deny people health care. Opposed to amnesty for illegal immigrants, you're a xenophobe and a Nazi. Believe in the Second Amendment, cold-blooded, gun fanatic. You want more mass shootings. If you think people should not kneel during the national anthem, you are a Neanderthal and should be canceled. If you're opposed to going to war, you're an isolationist. An advocate for going to war, a warmonger. If you support Donald Trump, you are deplorable. You're pro-life, you're anti-women, waging a war on women. Opposed to raising the minimum wage, you're heartless. Opposed to men who identify as a woman going into the woman's bathroom or competing against women in sporting events, you are a bigot, a homophobe, you're shallow. Are you an advocate for welfare reform? You are callous and cruel. You hate poor people. If you don't roll out the red carpet for the LGBTQ agenda, you're intolerant, transphobic. If you want to go back to work after the COVID-19 shelter-in-place orders, you want to kill your grandma. What if you are religious? Oh, you're old-fashioned, closed-minded, a fanatic. Leave your views in the church. You don't believe income equality, climate change, racism, or whatever the cause of the day is the biggest challenge facing the nation? You are an insensitive, hateful, rich elitist. If your opinion is not on the 3x5 card of allowable opinion, you are a blasphemer. You are a heretic. If you remain silent, go about your business, raise your family, stay out of politics, and all the BS going on, you are, say it with me, a blasphemer. You are a heretic. Because silence is violence. I realize that with a lack of principles to point to as a guiding force in policy prescriptions, the only thing left to point to is the win. Winning is everything, or in today's environment, defeating Donald Trump is everything. Driving down his approval ratings, regardless of the cost to the nation as a whole and its economy. The tool of choice is calling out heretics and blasphemers. See, the left has moved on from the old playbook of Solovinsky's Rules for Radicals. The book outlines 12 rules to get your way in the political arena. A few of them include rule number five, ridicule is man's most potent weapon. Or rule number eight, keep the pressure on, never let up. Or rule number 12, pick the target, freeze it, personalize it, and polarize it. You see how the blasphemer and heretic claims fit nicely into this strategy? Well, back to the win. It doesn't matter who gets hurt. Oftentimes, it's the very people that they claim they want to help. It's all about the win. You must win rhetorically, even if it means the only bullet in your holster is name-calling, denigration, and vilification of your political opponents. You must win, even if that means shutting down the speech of people with whom you disagree. You must win, even if that means setting forth intellectually lazy and dishonest arguments. You must win if your current policy position contradicts your position from just a few years ago. You must win even if your policies and rhetoric change the language and tear down long-held societal norms and customs. It's all about the win, not the principles, because there aren't any.
So, I guess come to think of it, maybe that is the principle. Rather than looking towards God or morality or the Constitution or the consequences of their actions as guiding principles, all they care about is the win. At the end of the day, when you see or hear critics crying political blasphemy and heresy, know that they are simply employing a stall tactic, one that allows them to avoid making an argument on its merits. Their agenda does not stand on its own two feet and cannot stand legitimate criticism. And because the corporate press is of like mind of the left wing who employ this tactic, they feel like the tactic works. Unfortunately, turning your cause into a religion and shaming those who do not agree with you, calling them heretics and blasphemers, is not a recipe for long-term success. In the short run, it looks like you might be effective, but in the end, the majority sees you for what you are. A group of people with damaging, radical ideas whose recipe is to divide the people and ultimately drive donations to the Democratic Party. Please join the conversation on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash truthquestpodcast. Oh, 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 oh,